Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today's episode number 455, Active Duty to Chick-fil-A Franchise Owner with Marlon Terrell. I thought it was a good idea to, to get a truck delivered at 4.30 in the morning because I wanted the truck put away before the restaurant opened and if my drive through was busy for breakfast, it'd be hard to get the food in the truck. And so that was a huge mistake because you are not getting a 19, 20 year old to get up at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> to get on the truck. Yeah, and it takes some time to find people that are adults that would actually do that and get, get to work on time. So I found myself plenty of mornings, you know, picking up a frozen box of chicken and throwing it in my freezer. Um, and that process to unload that truck is an hour and a half with three, four people. And when you're stuck by yourself, maybe one person showed up. You're talking about a two to three hour, <laughs> a two to three hour process. Well, today is our second episode in a five-episode series all about franchises. If you have not listened to the Coming Soon episode that explained the premise for this series or the last episode with Johnny Franchise talking about an overview of franchises, I recommend checking those out first. Today's episode originally aired on December 4th of 2017, bringing it out of the archives in order to resurface this incredible story. I still think about Marlon. He's actually, this is the episode that made me think of doing this five-episode series. And so I really enjoyed this conversation. Marlon provides just the right amount of detail. I walked away feeling like I understood what it's like to be in a franchise owner's shoes in terms of pay, career progression, and hours. He really painted a vivid picture of what life in a franchise looks like. I also think it's helpful because Marlon was really articulate in discussing exactly how what he learned in the military was applicable to his work as a franchise owner, as well as how he went about selecting a franchise. He talks about why a franchise may or may not be suited to veterans listening to this show. As always at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes for this episode with links to everything we discuss, a text transcript, and over 454 other episodes just like this one, not all of them about franchises. So with that, let's dive into my conversation with Marlon. Well, joining me today in Woodbridge, New Jersey, is Marlon Terrell. Marlon, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Uh, thank you, Justin. Thank you for having me today. So I want to give a special thanks to Charlie Mello, uh, who is also a Naval Academy 2002 graduate who connected me with Marlon, who is a 2002 Naval Academy graduate as well. And I'm really excited to speak with Marlon. A couple weeks ago, I had John Francis on the show, who's not a veteran, but talked about franchising and why it may be appealing for veterans to go, it, go down this route. And Marlon, not only is a veteran who's gone down the route of becoming a franchise owner, but he also did it directly from active duty. So um, appreciate your time today, Marlon. I can only imagine how slammed you are throughout the day, but excited to kind of delve into your background and um, your experience of being a franchise owner in the Chick-fil-A Corporation. Yes, certainly. And I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing um, the challenges, the opportunity that was presented uh, from Chick-fil-A compared to other franchises, uh, as well as, I mean, the good and the bad. So 
whatever you have for me, I'm ready to share. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, maybe let's just start with kind of, um, you know, you graduated from the Naval Academy, you served in the Navy. Take us through um, just the quick summary of what you did in the military and how you decided to transition to your civilian career. Oh, yeah, definitely, Justin. So I uh, did submarines uh, in the military, so nuclear engineering background, and um, had the opportunity to go back to the Naval Academy to uh, get a master's degree in leadership education, leadership development. And while I was there, I taught leadership at University of Maryland College Park as part of my master's degree, as well as taught leadership at the Naval Academy. And during that time is when I decided that I was really interested in uh, going the entrepreneurial route. And so um, during my time at the Naval Academy, while I was learning um, you know, a lot about leading a group of young people, I uh, started to work on a couple of different businesses. Um, and then I actually got out of active duty in 2010, and I went into a CANREC, Canvas Recruiter, opportunity, which is an active duty reservist. Most reservists or, or active duty personnel understand that as active duty special work, ADSW, or full-time support, FTS. And uh, what it allowed me to do was recruit in the area of Maryland, D.C., and be in charge of, so I recruited officers, but I was also in charge of all the enlisted recruiters in that Northern Virginia, DC and Maryland market. And uh, I was able to do that for five years. And during that time, I just continued to uh, work on entrepreneur, uh, my entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurship opportunities, and really educate myself in the space of being an entrepreneur in order to kind of achieve my goals and get to where I wanted to be. And um, I guess what what did you learn during that time, and and what ultimately led you to choosing to go into a franchise? Uh, so I was, um, I guess, first and foremost, I really took advantage of the opportunity to educate myself on business, and I didn't have an MBA, so I looked for opportunities out there. Uh, that were probably helpful for veterans. And it really started when I went to meetup.com and just get in uh, veteran entrepreneurs. And so I got the chance to get around of a group of people that were interested in being entrepreneurs. And we just started sharing information. So I heard about all kinds of uh, free courses at the time. I'm not sure if they're still free today. Um, there was a company called Kaufman. I had a fast track, Kaufman Fast Track, that had a free veteran entrepreneur course. Uh, there was a, a vet CEO, Boots to Business. Uh, Syracuse has a course, uh, I think it's called uh, Entrepreneur uh, uh, Boot Camp for Veterans or something like that, EBV. I, I know that's uh, the, the um, acronym for it. And then uh, there's a, a BEP course as well, well, VEP. So, and I know there are, there are a lot more out there, but I just remember those were the ones um, that I was looking at at that time. And so when I went to the Kaufman one, it was once a week and it was about two or three hours and they really made you do some homework. It wasn't just you know, sitting around 
uh, talking about being an entrepreneur. It was writing a business plan, uh, really thinking hard about what you wanted to do. And so when I just kind of thought about the expense of starting a business, um, I really thought it would be nice to get some help through franchise franchising. And the reason that the thing that led me to that is because I had worked on a nonprofit business uh, that I was working called Lead for America, and I was going into school systems and teaching uh, philanthropy as a discipline, just like you teach math and science. So then from there, it led me to another business I was working on called Repay Vets. And the idea was to help veterans fundraise because I realized how hard it was for veterans to get money. And it, and it, it was nothing but a, a Kickstarter just strictly for veterans to raise money for whatever their needs were. And so um, doing these two businesses, I realized how hard it was to grow a brand and get capital for a business. So I said, you know, maybe, maybe if I just start looking at franchises and figure out, um, you know, is there some help out there? And so for me, I worked at Chick-fil-A when I was in high school. And so I just said, you know what, let me go back to Chick-fil-A and just see what's, uh, what's out there. And so the first thing I did was walk into a Chick-fil-A and talk to, and see if I could connect with like an owner operator. Cause I did some reading and understood that they were locally owned. And that's, that's, I think the best advice I could give someone that's considering franchising is when you're, if you're going to go the route, if you think about it, just walk into uh, one, whether it's a FedEx, UPS, um, a cleaners, whatever it is, just walk in there and see if you can meet with the owner or talk with the owner or the general manager and just get some guidance that way. And so for me, that's what I did. And when I started looking at the numbers compared to other, um, like the capital that I had to come up with and the business model compared to other food restaurants or um, fast food restaurants or uh, other businesses in general, it just made more sense for me financially. Mm. I mean, I love so much about what you shared. And I love this thought of, first of all, just the entrepreneurial drive and you're using this time when you're a recruiter to explore um, your own ideas. But also, I, I just love the proactive nature. And, and I'll add for listeners in the show notes, I'll add links to all those resources, but with the Kaufman Fast Track and uh, Boots to Business and all these different things of just, I, I picture you sucking in all of this free knowledge and just really working um, on, on nights and weekends to, to, to do this, these homework assignments and fill in the gaps in your knowledge. And I also like this aspect that it, it seems like you had this tremendous entrepreneurial drive and you also realized the value of structure and the value of, of help in getting that business started. And that's, in my mind, when I think of franchises, that's why I think I get so excited about veterans and franchises is it really capitalizes mm -hmm. on that drive and that motivation and helps out for people that might not have run a business before or might not even know what sort of business to go into. And I, I really mm -hmm. love that thought of 
just going from franchise to franchise and talking to people and learning about their experience. I bet that that is the best way to figure out, is this the right type of business for me? And just patching together all of these different stories and experiences and figuring out, hey, maybe this isn't right for me, or maybe this type of business is better for me. Um, yeah, Justin, you know, I think, um, you know, way too often we just kind of rely on ourselves and our own military community or just, you know, our mentality, uh, is, is just kind of, we're, we're very humble. You know, we don't want to go bother people, but I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people are out there to help you. And I thought really hard about if I should go the MBA route or if I should just go what I consider to be the school hard knocks and just start and learn. And, um, that was a tough decision, but I, you know, I just decided, Hey, you know what, let me, let me my, me for my personal journey. I thought it was best for me to just, uh, instead of investing more money into school, just hold on to the capital I had. And, uh, like you said, working nights, weekends, and just nonstop drive beyond the regular, uh, day-to-day job of helping put people into the military. Um, I just did what I had to do. And I think that's one thing that all of us have as veterans. We do what we have to do uh, when we have a goal and we set our minds to it. Yeah. And that's what, that was my focus. Get it done. I love, um, you know, it's, it's so great to hear you say that because I, I so I went the business school route. I, I did submarines too. I got out, I went to business school and that was a great experience for me, but I was literally over uh, Thanksgiving talking with someone and saying like, man, I, I wonder today if, um, if I were to do that again, because for me, you know, all in, it was probably $150,000 between school and living expenses, not to mention not getting an income. I'm like, you know, $150,000, I, I could have done a franchise or you could have started a company and, um, yeah, you know, my my view, having gone the route of entrepreneurship, is that so much you learn by doing. You learn, like like you said, the school of hard knocks. You learn by just getting in there and getting your hands dirty. And and that's where mm-hmm. I really admire the path that you took of taking that capital that you know would have gone to business school and instead using that to actually start a, a franchise. And, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask about is I, I imagine there's a lot of different franchise opportunities, but do you have a, um, could you give listeners a sense of about how much money would they need saved up in order to start a franchise? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, Justin, that is a loaded question. <laughs> um, <laughs> simply because, <laughs> simply because every, franchise is different you know fedex has their model um chick-fil-a has a different model subway has a different model um zips cleaners has a different model so um you know so first i would say you know start by googling um veteran friendly franchises or inexpensive franchises depending on how much capital you have or um franchises with the greatest rate of return and um so you know from or operational heavy franchises so for chick-fil-a our franchise fee is minimal i mean we we're only people just go crazy over the fact that 
we only have to put up ten thousand uh, dollars to get into the franchise world. Now, wow. I, I thought for sure. Um, I, yeah. I was just thinking at least twenty five to fifty thousand. I was thinking so ten thousand oh, yeah. is really incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Subway is closer to a hundred. Well, right. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, but it's a different ownership model. So, um, so for us with Chick-fil-A, I decided that it was good for me because one, I've worked in Chick-fil-A before, so I knew and kind of understood what that model really looks like. And, um, and so with it being uh, so little capital up front, Chick-fil-A is putting up all the expenses to help you find the, the building, they're building it, you know, all the you know, like I have a $3 million restaurant that all came from Chick-fil-A, but the, the, the caveat for me and for um, other franchises that may be similar uh, is that I, uh, while I have uh, ownership in a name, I don't have ownership in the building. And it's kind of like McDonald's. They talk about McDonald's really in the real estate business. And so if a, if Chick-fil-A, decides they no longer want to partner with me, they can make that decision. Now, I have to really um, do a lot of research and decide that I have enough trust and confidence in the organization that wouldn't do that. They just don't do that to people unless things are, you know, go really bad and with the franchisee, like doing, and not even the lack of making money. I mean, like doing the legal things or something, something that really can ruin the brand name. Um, and so, but, but I get how that's um, a challenge for people to overcome. And so uh, you're looking at, uh, just going back to the original question, you're looking at, you know, say Chick-fil-A, which is 10,000. I think FedEx is probably around 40, 50,000 range. Um, they probably help a little bit more with finding a property uh, Subway, who's probably up where around hundred thousand, but they're not finding, uh, not giving you as much help to finding a location. Um, and so, um, so what happens is you, you kind of make a decision. Do you want to go, uh, on the lower end and put up less money, but you're more operationally heavy or you have more capital to give and you can immediately start making money because this business is that big. And you can immediately uh, put someone in charge of it and to manage it. And so you just have to kind of decide where you want to be in based on what kind of capital you have to to make that decision. And, and the other, I mean, the other aspect of the capital then is I'm I'm guessing that you know you put in the ten thousand dollars to start the franchise, but I'm I'm imagining you need some sort of buffer before you're able to pay yourself. Like, do you have a do you have a sense for if someone's thinking of doing this, okay, there's like, let's say the 10,000 to start the franchise, how much savings should they have? Like how long should they be able to live without an income as well? Cause that seems like the other component. Yeah. So um, that's a great question, question, Justin, because really uh, on the surface it is $10,000. But when you go a little bit deeper, um, you're looking at potentially a, hunt, uh, a full year of no income. Yeah. Now the great the great thing about Chick Fil A is another great thing that's in drives blows people's minds is that uh, as soon as you open your restaurant, Chick Fil A will let you draw an income of twenty five hundred dollars a month if you make no money in that month. 
And so you're immediately having enough money to keep the lights on and keep some food in your mouth and in the family's mouth. Um, and so you're immediately going to get something. And then it'll take you, it only takes about two to three months beyond that, depending on location, the type of restaurant. There are a lot of different uh, things that can play in there um, to where you can start really kind of gaining a decent uh, income. So, uh, but I say six months to a year because for me, I left the military in May. Well, my restaurant didn't open until September. So we're looking at um, June, July, August, and then we open in September. So that's four months. But let's say uh, there was a coding issue and they pushed the restaurant back to a, a, an opening date of January or February, the following March, which most of us, if we, if we have uh, built a home, just our own personal home to buy, then we understand that new construction, those things happen and you push back closing dates. And so, um, so it's just safe to have whatever your six months to a year worth of living income uh, that's necessary to survive throughout that time period uh, beyond that 10,000. That's great. I, um, yeah. And, and I'm wondering, you know, let's say for those three or four months and I, and I love what I love about what you're saying is that there's with, with franchise or with any entrepreneurial vehicle, there's so much uncertainty and risk. And I love pointing out that thought that like, you know, the, like the, the, there could be a code violation that pushes back by several months. So never, <laughs> never just thinking in your mind, okay, it's going to, it's going to open in three months and that's that, you know, it could be three months mm -hmm. to nine months. And I love that thought of just having, they, they call it, um, I think having some powder in the keg, having some, some dry reserves in case you have mm -hmm. these unexpected obstacles. What did those, so you, let's say you, you signed the paperwork, you, you put in that $10,000, mm -hmm. Now you're waiting for the franchise to open. What does your life look like? Like, what are you doing in those three or four months to get ready to to run this company when it gets off when it when it opens its doors? Yeah, Justin. So um, again, everyone, every franchise is going to be different. But one thing I think is pretty consistent is you're going to go through a training process. So you're probably going to go to the co corporate office and spend three weeks to uh, eight weeks, probably. Uh, going through their training so you can learn the ins and outs about the business because the, the franchise typically, if they're a larger franchise, um, they, they may decide to partner with you because of what you bring to, to the table for a veteran. So uh, let's say, uh, let's just say Subway or Jimmy John's, right? So um, they may require that everyone that they decide to franchise with or partner with, they may decide that that person has to have three to five years of experience in the restaurant industry. But they may also have this caveat for military veterans. They don't need that because they know and they expect us to come with a different type of drive, focus, dedication, and commitment to, um, what we're trying to achieve than most civilians. So you get that luxury of where you don't have to come in with the background knowledge sometimes. And so for Chick-fil-A, uh, they look for, they don't look for restaurant business uh, experience. They look for um, character, 
a sense of community, uh, competency, um, and things like that. And so, um, so for them, and they really like, they really dive into that character and I would say the competency piece. Uh, so for them, they say, Hey, we're going to teach you how to, um, make a chicken sandwich, like the basic operations of the restaurant. And then beyond that, once I finished the school, they set me up with a, an owner in, I think it was, it was Texas. I went down, I spent two weeks with an owner in Texas. And then from there, um, I was able to come back to my area where my restaurant was opening. And that was just time for me to start really sitting down, hunkering down and figuring out, okay, what is, what is my restaurant going to look like? What's my vision, my mission? What's going to be our ethos? How many people do I want to hire? Uh, what is, where do I go to find these people? And so all that stuff, because uh, for, for my restaurant, I mean, I have to start out with 90 people. And so uh, that's pretty much what it takes to run uh, the most freestanding Chick-fil-A is around a hundred people. And so for me, I um, really kind of decided and thought hard about what type of person I wanted to hire, who I really uh, wanted in my business. And then Chick-fil-A sent about four, four to six weeks before we opened, Chick-fil-A sent me uh, two guys to help me think through that process. And they would just, their job is to travel around to opening Chick-fil-A's in order to help them through the first uh, four weeks before the restaurant opens, four to six weeks before the restaurant opens, and then three weeks after it's opened. And that first week they send you uh, a, tr- a group of trainers around 20 people. And so when you compare it to the fleet, whether it's a, you have a battalion or uh, a ship or submarine, you know, just imagine having a group of, 150 people and you're charged with a mission that you know relatively like very little about all you know is your leadership experience and all 150 people uh the navy or army has probably trained them for a total of a week (laughs) and then you got it after that (laughs) and so that's kind of what it was like in the beginning i I I really appreciate that detail. I, I think it's very mm-hmm. energizing to me because for you know, first of all, I think that veterans, this is the training and structure that they're used to in the military that is, in my experience, very rare in the civilian world. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. so envious, you know, from another vantage point of having started my company Storybox and feeling like I'm inventing everything from scratch. I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. jealous of the thought that you had a concentrated period where you learn everything about making the sandwiches. So now you have that expertise to pass on to people. And then I love this thought mm-hmm. of you meeting with the owner and getting their perspective and then having that time to sit back and, and create your own vision and tweak that. And then I love that you, you, know, you launch and you've got this support team around you of being able to help you in those first weeks. And at the same time, it's, it's intimidating to think of like, man, I'm just thinking day one, having 90 employees and, and, and not only the 90 employees, I'm thinking of, you know, I'm thinking of like, man, if I had to go hire 90 people 
right now. That's like 90 people, you know, that's, that's probably, who knows, 120 people you have to find or 150 people you have to find and interview and narrow down. And then you're thinking about how do you hire these people? How do you evaluate them? And, um, that's, I mean, that's tremendous. And, you know, I've never had a team size of 90. The, the biggest we've ever been as a company is 20 employees. And so the thought of being mm -hmm. 90 employees from the get go is incredible. But, you know, one last thing I'll say on that is, I think another re reason that energizes me about this when I think of veterans is this is a group of people who it is very probable that they have led a group of 90 prior to getting there. And there's not a lot of people like that, that that at this stage in their life would be able to lead 90 people. And so many veterans talk about how much they enjoyed that and how they want to do that in the civilian sector. There's not a lot of paths I can think of that get you in front of leading 90 to 100 people immediately besides what you're describing right now, at least in the world of entrepreneurship. So that's that's very, um, very compelling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you make, you bring a good point. Uh, Chick-fil-A partners with military veterans for that reason, because they know that we led people and they know that, um, we have thought about training plans and we understand how important it is. So, you know, it's, it, it's funny, all those things that, you know, Justin, we were so frustrated with on the submarine, you know, the, uh, training after train again train train some more um and all the all the things that the little things that um we may have gotten frustrated with the administrative things are all the things that i use today uh, to help me be successful as an owner operator with chick-fil-a mm. it's it is interesting it's I, I i'm still trying to get my head around this where at least for me in the military i had this jaded view towards training and it was almost like trying to find ways to get out of the training or do something else during training it was like viewed as this annoyance that was inflated and not really worth my time and I, I notice now like I'm going to conferences on the weekend to learn more about sales and marketing and, like I'm trying to go out of my way <laughs> to get more training and it's such a different perspective and so I'm just thinking of like man it's it is um I can imagine going straight from active duty to then going in an environment where your training is really going to make the difference between success and failure. And, and it's so in, it's so tied to your personal success. It just seems like such a contrast. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Uh, it, you, know, you don't come in the door with a solid training plan uh, or just a solid plan in this world. It's a, a solid plan to maintain talent mm -hmm. as well. Uh, you know, cause you can, you can look up and you may have hired 90 people. Well, what happens when 40 of them have quit in the first three, four weeks, you know, if there hasn't been a consistent plan to make, to bring in more and then get them trained up quickly and things can fall apart quickly. I, so you just have to be prepared. I'm thinking you know, the the restaurant industry in general is known for high turnover of employees. And I'm also thinking of mm -hmm. where you're coming from, where there is no turnover. I mean, there is like, it is 100% guaranteed job, <laughs> job employment, but you have right. no ability to, to fire hire and you have no unexpected personnel losses. And so what was that? What was that like? Like, how did you how did you learn how to hire people and how did you learn how to, to really evaluate them and, and figure out how to constantly 
be hiring people to, to anticipate these unexpected losses? Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, again, I had a unique uh, career because I was recruiting. So you know, my job for five years was simply that to go and do interviews and try to figure out if this person was probably going to be a good fit for the Navy. So and I had gone through that process a little bit, um, but we're also talking about the difference between uh, highly skilled young people that are probably leaders in their high schools or highly skilled uh, young people that are probably leaders in their colleges, whether they're going the enlisted route or officer route. And some in colleges that are going to officer route are going the enlisted route, right? So that was that was definitely different, but um, but I think it it goes back to uh, just kind of one of the things that we do and know as military veterans is that we we prepare, right? So we're we're, we're always going to have a plan. So for me, it was I, I just expected turnover. No one said it's going to be high. Um, no one told me to to pl- keep hiring you know, Chick-fil-A that they don't deal with your personnel at all. And so I just made a decision that I'm going to keep interviewing even after all my team is hired every week during our grand opening, I'm interviewing every single week. And, um, and I'm also like the first thing that I'm doing is putting in a training plan just because I know one thing I do know is that it's very busy and very difficult to work in a Chick-fil-A restaurant and not everyone can handle that level of stress, just like not everyone can handle the stress of the military. And so I just, you know, just kind of knew and expected those things. So I just put, th- put stops in place to prepare uh, for that loss and then uh, prepare to train those people up as they came in. How, I, I mean, I want to get into a couple more specific questions, but I'm just curious, like, how how has it been? You're now almost, I think, two and a half years in. Is that right? To to running this this store, yeah. how how it, how right. has that experience been? Like, what's your take on it so far? Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's been amazing. Um, Chick fil A. From well, I'm just only going to speak with my experience with Chick fil A and not other franchises. Chick fil A does a great job at supporting the owner operator, and so. Everything from the the challenges of in the beginning making decisions that you know I didn't that are now in hindsight <laughs> you know were very bad decisions. Um, you know Chick Fil A has really been there to help coach me through those challenges if I had a question. And so that's a, another great thing about partnering with the right franchise is if they have a strong corporate office or support center, then you can pick up that phone and you can call them um, and you can say, hey, you know, this is, this is becoming a challenge over here. Uh, do you guys have any way of helping me overcome this unique challenge that I feel like I'm having um, based on my location or my sales or just anything? And so with Chick-fil-A, it, it's, it's just been great. Um, I've been able to positively impact our community. I had a, I have a young lady that started with me when I first opened 
and she just graduated high school and left, um, just left about three weeks ago, I think it was, to uh, go to the Marine Corps. Um, <clears throat> you know, I have a couple other young people that talk to me about maybe. And so being at a franchise that has a lot of people that, that work for you definitely brings its unique leadership challenges. But it is so much like the experience I had as an as a, as a United States Naval officer. So um, it's all about the just really investing into the the crew uh, on the sub, right? And so um, investing into those that division that you were in charge of, and that's what I get to do every day. Just really in, invest into the people. And then they just go out there and get the job done. They do great work for us, but it's really just about them. And that's, that's what it was like on the submarine. It was about them. And if, and I always tell anyone that uh, was in the military, if they look back on their military career and they miss um, that part more than anything else, then then Chick-fil-A is a great opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. But if it's, um, but then you have, other businesses, uh, like I'll just keep going back to like a FedEx because in Zips, that's those are the ones I looked at, where it's not as many people involved in the business. Um, then those are great too if you feel like you're more of an independent worker and you want to rely on yourself to get things done. I I love that because on so many of the interviews I've done, they uh, a common theme is how much veterans miss a purpose and a sense of contribution to the world and, and to their country. And I, mm-hmm. I am a firm believer and I can imagine the contribution impact you have on your community. I love that thought of being very, very active where you live, you're creating jobs, you are providing for people, you are making an impact on the community around you. And I love the, you know that, that mm-hmm. sense of having that tangible uh, sense of, of, of the impact you're having. And, um, yeah. And I, and I think that the, the other thing that came up when you were talking is I'm so jealous of the thought that you've got this corporate office where as you experience problems, you have the lifeline to be able to call and get support. And I just know from my own journey of how Often I'm, you know, fighting to get advisors and trying to get their time and just trying to like desperately get help in different areas and how difficult that can be. And having that Mm -hmm. baked in to your company is so valuable. I can only imagine how much help that provides and how many disasters that averts by just having (laughs) that knowledge base. You know, they've seen hundreds and thousands of other uh, companies go through exactly the same thing. And they're able to just with one hour of their time, I imagine they save you a hundred hours of having to figure this out on your own. Oh, they certainly do. And um, I mean, even just retraining courses so uh, that I can bring a leadership team to um, because it, it's and Justin, in our world, it's I've set up a structure very similar to what we had in the military. So I have my my uh, team members, which are you know probably like the E ones, the E threes that just walked in, and then I have a next group called my key holders. They're probably more like the E sixes, you know, the first class petty officers, right? And then um, and then from there, I have a group of uh, team leaders. They're more like our chiefs. And then I have my directors, which are more like the junior officers. 
and then it's me as pretty much the captain of the ship. And, um, you know, the captain had to sleep sometime. Right. And so, <laughs> so you have to just, uh, train the team and get them prepared to handle anything and everything that happens. And, and that's where I'm at at this point, two years later, I have a team that I've trained, uh, fairly well. And while we still have our challenges, we always will, um, they're, they're ready. And I have the next uh, level that's ready to step up in their place. If for whatever reason they want to go pursue another, a great opportunity, but, um, we drive a great culture and, you know, we all care about each other. We're a great team. And, um, and it provides me the opportunity to sleep. It provides me the opportunity to really spend quality time with my family. Um, and so it's given me kind of everything I look for in, um, in owning my own business. Do I have freedom and flexibility? Uh, do I have the, uh, some, am I making money to take care of my family and, and give them uh, access to things that I may have not had an opportunity or access to? And, um, and does it allow me to just really have fun, uh, you know, with my wife, fun with family and friends. Um, and it, it does all that. So it's, it's just a, a great a business. But again, like I said, it started with me, me doing the research to make the decision that this was the one that I want to be a part of. And, you know, I'm, I'm imagining that the kind of career path here is, um, you have a phase where you, you know, the store opens and you are heavily operations, you are running everything. And then, you know, mm -hmm. at some point you, you are, I, I love the, the way you kind of pointed out the differences in, in your, your internal chain of command. So at some point then you've got people who are able to run this for you and you're able to get a little bit more time away. And then I'm guessing that there's a mm -hmm. point where you may even choose to open up another franchise and go back into that heavily heavy operations phase. And so I, I'm just mm -hmm. kind of wondering, what's your sense of how, how long was it that things were like really crazy and you're just there 24 seven? And then how long was it until, you know, you were able to be able to step back a little bit and have more free time. And then how long does it typically take for someone to, to think of opening up a second franchise? Uh, yeah, uh, Justin, it, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was boot camp for about three months. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're, uh, for me again, going back to my poor decisions, <laughs> I, I thought it was a good idea to, to get a truck delivered at four thirty in the morning because I wanted the truck put away before the restaurant opened. And if my drive through was busy for breakfast, it'd be hard to get the food in the truck, but or food into the restaurant. But I didn't know and was not aware at all uh, that our sales in New Jersey for breakfast are extremely low because people still don't know much about Chick-fil-A at all. <laughs> and, so, um, and so that was a huge mistake because you are not getting a 19, 20-year-old to get up at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> to get on a truck. <laughs> yeah, and it takes, <clears throat> it takes some time to find people that are adults that would actually do that and get, get to work on time. So I found myself plenty of mornings, you know, picking up a frozen box of chicken and throwing it in my freezer. Um, <clears throat> and that process to unload that truck is an hour and a half with three, four people. And when you stuck by yourself, maybe one person showed up. You're talking about a two to three hour, <laughs> a two to three hour process. 
Um, <clears throat> so that the first three months were really, really challenging. And then um, Chick-fil-A uh, has a, an annual conference and they, that conference is in February. And so we opened in September and that week long conference forced me to leave. And so when that happened, it made me say, all right, you know, I can get away a little bit. And so I think for the first six, like the next six months, uh, I was still probably, you know, a good 10 to 12 hour days in the restaurant. And once I hit the year point, it's just, it's kind of cut back to whatever and whenever I need to be there for, uh, you know, whether it's training or, um, we're having a team leader meeting or something like that. But I, I'm, now I'm in a position where I can get a lot of my work done at home and, and do office work and things like that. And so just get on the computer and take care of a lot of stuff and then go to the restaurant when we have some operational challenges that I'm trying to help the team overcome, whether, you know, we're slow in one area and I'm looking at systems and I, and I really now have the chance to really maintain a big picture and, and really teach the leaders how to think like that, how to look at a system and think about how to improve a system as opposed to just focusing on what's happening right in front of them to start thinking more like, like I would think, you know? Um, and then from, from here, um, the, the great thing about it is our business, it's very, it does pretty well in sales. So we're high volume, but we still have um, a long way to grow. And so when Chick-fil-A built our restaurant, they built it to do about three times as many sales as projected for opening. So we have a lot of growth opportunity to where we can do really well out of one restaurant. And I can keep the team with me because as that restaurant itself grows, then they evolve as well. And I'm not with a franchise um, where I have to go find a, a college graduate um, that, that to make $70,000 to be my training director. I can train someone that decided never to go to college and work them through Chick-fil-A and eventually promote them to that to where they can make a really good living just working for me and helping my business grow. Um, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't be interested in, in um, having another restaurant. And so what this industry tells you, and definitely a fast food industry in general, dealing with the number of people we have, it tells you that it takes three years to get your business exactly where you want it to be. And, um, and after, and with Chick-fil-A, after you've gotten it to where you want it and you operated like that for a couple of years, uh, you're looking at opening yourself up for another opportunity if you choose to take advantage of that. So it's about a five year uh, process to really be in position to, to get another restaurant. You know? But you know what? Um, I'm always, I'm preparing my team for that. So when you talk about, well, what happens when you open up a second, when you go back to ground zero, we won't go back to ground zero. I opened this restaurant with no one that had any knowledge of Chick-fil-A. And so what I'm doing now is preparing my team uh, for another restaurant. So I split the team and they're in good position to take care of both restaurants without me having to, to do that. That's great. I mean, I think of um, 
you know, people have listened to the show before will know one of my favorite interviews with, with Cal Newport, who wrote a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You, and he talks about building up career capital and, you know, just really using your energy to build up knowledge and skills that you can leverage to get more autonomy and to get more responsibility. And what I'm loving about this path that you're describing is you, you know, I can only imagine that first year, how crazy it was in the first three months boot camp period, and then the nine months and getting things stable. And then it seems like after that first year, you start to get a little bit more time back and you're able to get more in your wheelhouse of just strategy and big picture. And it sounds like a lot of mentorship, but I, I love this thought that as that, that single location grows, you know, when you go back to starting a second company, I can only imagine, you know, what took 12 months to stabilize, it's going to be a fraction of that. And you've got managers from one location that you could maybe shift over to a second location. Not only do you have the skills and the knowledge, but you've got this network of people that you can tap into to expedite that starting process. And so as I, as I zoom out and think of, you know, a, a possible career ahead for you, it just seems like you'll, you're in a spot to be able to eventually start churning out these franchises and, and as much as you want. You could plunk in a lot of your time and be running three of these, or you could just say, look, I want a lifestyle where I have a lot more time with my family and you're able to, to enjoy some of that autonomy. And it, it just seems like a very appealing career path. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it, it's definitely one that works for me and fits everything that I was looking for. And that's, that's the key. <laughs> is, you know, does it work for you when it comes to franchise? Does it fit what you're looking for? Because there, there are a lot of franchises out there that uh, they are uh, don't provide as much support, but they also provide more independence. So if I wanted to uh, raise my prices, then uh, because, I, because, I don't know, New Jersey decides to go with a $15 minimum wage, well, uh, I can't do that. Right. Whereas um, there may be other franchises out there that will allow you to raise the prices however you want to. And um, now the good thing is Chick-fil-A, you know, they with that support center, they do pay attention to a lot of those things. Um, you know, some of the things that uh, that frustrate us as, as owner operators that and they'll, they listen. And so they'll they'll open their ears and they'll listen and they'll start making changes for us, but we just can't make those changes uh, in our own restaurant all the time. I, 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 um, yeah, you know, I, I love your thoughts on this is it, it seems like, um, you know, with the advantage of a franchise is you have that, that structure and support in place. You've got what is a validated good business that it, it's, not just add water and it will grow. It's you know gr add water and a tremendous amount of energy and intelligence and time and, and it it will grow. So it seems like that's an mm -hmm. a, a, an appealing part of this path, as well as the ability to lead and manage and mentor. Um, you know that that seems like an advantage of this path. It sounds like one of the downsides is you don't have complete control. There are limits on you know Chick Fil A has their own branding and their own requirements, and so you have to operate within their structure. So a little bit less autonomy. 
and and then the ownership aspect of you know you own a a percentage of this but not the whole thing but you know that's mm-hmm. probably not too much of a downside in the sense of anyone who starts a company you know you bring on investors and they take ownership so you never own the whole thing and it's um right so but i'm just kind of curious on on the pros cons anything that you would add or kind of change from that as someone thinks of of opening a franchise um yeah, I think, uh, you know, if I just uh, ran down the list of pros, it's the a tremendous amount of support. It's the uh, same drive that you got in the military of committing to a community. It's a service-oriented uh, business. Um, it's, it provides the freedom and flexibility that you're looking for, uh, not immediately, all the time, but, you know, depending on the opportunity that you get to take advantage of, we are we are the... Um, I think, you know, the largest fast food restaurant uh, chain per restaurant anyway. Um, you know, so for Chick-fil-A, I think that's what sold me. And so those are the pro- uh, the pros there. And then, uh, but I think in general, those are some of the pros that you get from franchising is just that support, uh, not having to figure it out in the brand name. Uh, so, you know, whether it's uh, Rita's, <laughs> Or shaved ice. It's sometimes uh, you're probably going to do better is um, read a shaved ice instead of Mary and Joe's shaved ice, <laughs> just because even if you're selling the exact same product, just because uh, of that brand recognition. And um, and then the cons uh, would be the fact that you may be limited with branding, limited with some changes, uh, maybe some limitations in ownership. I know there's uh, only only one other restaurant I know that does the exact same model as us, and it's called Pals, P-A-L-S, out of, I think it's the Tennessee area, and they do hamburgers. And, and so, you know, with the owner-operator model, um, you know, some of the cons may be that ownership, but the great thing about Chick-fil-A is that um, they really do care about the owners, and so... And they care about our family. So, you know, if I know one thing about owning the business for a lot of people is you want to be able to transfer that business to uh, that your your kids or something like that when you you decide to leave it. And most franchises you can't do that. Those franchises will require that that your child has a certain amount of time in the industry in a business or the same requirements that you had. Maybe may still be the same, even though that's your your kid or your spouse or whatever. Um, and so with Chick-fil-A, it's one that recognizes uh, family and they care about family. And so if, uh, if your family grew up in the industry, if your family did what they had to do, then there's a good chance that there's probably an opportunity at the support center for your family, or there may be a great opportunity to own a restaurant one day for your kids uh, just they, they, they just won't be taking over your restaurant. So there's still a great opportunity to support family and, and provide that legacy if you're looking for that. Mm. Well, Marlon, I appreciate your time on this. I want to be respectful as we, we approach the end of the hour here. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, just, it's, it's very energizing to hear you talk about this. And I just feel like you did such an exceptional job of going into the right level of detail. And I, I just feel like I've, I and I imagine our listeners have such a better sense of what it's like to be in a franchise and it's just encouraging to see 
I mean, you have found a path. I just, when I think of the work that you did on submarines and then on recruiting, and then it does seem like, um, you know, oftentimes a veteran that I interview, they're going into a field where they don't know if their skills from the military are going to translate. And I just mm -hmm. love that, you know, when you tell these stories, I picture you using your leadership experience from submarines and using your training, you know, training experience of establishing training programs and using your recruiting experience to hire. And I, I know that there were things that you had to learn and fill in gaps, but I just love that you have leveraged so much of what made you successful in the military to be successful as a franchise owner. Uh, yeah, definitely. All the way down to uh, cleanliness, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you're cleaning the ship all day, right? You know, and, um, you know, I, when my team wants to promote, we go through, a, we have an exam, we do basically a, like a ship's walkthrough, we do a store walkthrough and, uh, you know, see, check their knowledge and, you know, uh, we do uh, boards. So, yeah, everything that, you know, we look back, like I said, and I, and I would encourage all veterans to, to not just let go of, if they're going to be an entrepreneur, don't let go of, of all that great free knowledge that you learned in the military and, re and really just reflect on it and think about how does that apply if you are starting a business or if you uh, currently own a business, how does that apply uh, or how can you apply so all that free knowledge that you got to your current situation? Well, this is great, Marlon. I appreciate your, your time and perspective on this and, and thank you for sharing your story with the Beyond the Uniform audience. Yeah, my pleasure, Justin. You got you have a great day, all right? Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. Third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career in life.